0: Huh. I'm going to read the passage first. It's short. And then we're going to dive in today. So if you want to open your Bibles, Revelation, we're going to read um, 22, 6 through the end. I don't know if we have a page number or not for that, Cassie. It's the last page or two of your Bible, somewhere there. We're at the very end. Just so you know, as we move today, my, my sermon, a sentence, whatever we want to call it, is just the word behold. Behold. You'll see why in a moment. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits, the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. You can find that same passage in Revelation 1. 1. Behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the word of the prophecy in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who'd been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Then he told me, do not slip the words of the prophecy of this book, because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong, Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. Behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs. Those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the, the, root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him, who's he- him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him or her the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will add to them from his share in the tree of life, in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. And all God's people said... All right, so behold, not a word we use a lot. Who uses behold in normal language? Anybody? So we would say something like look, something like that. But behold, can you give me, I'm not sure what slide it is, Cassie, the one with all the behold statements. I think it's slide number three. So I listened to a preacher talk about this. And behold is used a lot in scripture. 1,298 times. It means the last two are right here. What I found is, you looked at scripture, you had to look in the old King James Version to find the word behold. Most of our modern translations use different words. I don't know why that is. Common thoughts, but in an oral culture, repetition of word is really important. So obviously, this word is repeated a lot. And what it means is be sure to see. Be sure to see. Don't miss it. So Jesus said, be sure to see, I'm coming soon. Don't miss it, I'm coming soon. But he hasn't come here yet. So what do we do with that? So last week, I spent a lot of time talking about this, this Kronos versus Kairos way of thinking. So Revelation, I think, we've been saying this for now for weeks, is it's a very repeated book. We'll unpack that again in just a moment as we summarize. But it's like the same message is happening over and over and over. Why does someone repeat themselves? So you don't miss it. So you don't get confused. You don't miss what they're saying. So I was struck by this. A um, uh, pastor that I admire was speaking uh, around this topic, behold. And he said, he was talking to, to, to preachers. He said, perhaps the most important thing a preacher, a pastor, does is behold. That is your primary job. I said, that's not, we're a priesthood of all believers. That means it would be all of our job to behold. Don't miss it. But he went on to say that we as a Western church have created a really interesting uh, evangelism style. He said, we tend to use words like, Are you going to heaven when you die? And I, I, my dad and I passed notes between ways of preparing, and that's not in Scripture once. Are you going to heaven when you die? It's not in here. Anywhere. But, as I think of myself, that's a question I have used to talk to people about why they should follow Jesus. So he said, we've created a system, he thinks, and I'm inclined to agree with him right now, and you can disagree with me. Give me slide seven. This is the acronym he uses how we try to talk to people about following Jesus. He says he calls it die. You can see how he feels about it. There, we make, there is a decision to make, and it's an important decision. But after that one decision, we inform you, and then when you get bored, I entertain you. He said, but if I'm, he said, if I'm a disciple follower of Jesus, is it one decision? Or is it lots of decisions? Is it decision after decision after decision after, to follow somebody, I have to decide to follow them over and over and over again, decision after decision after decision. You get it, after decision. So beholding is don't miss it. So what I found in these 1,298 times through scripture was God saying, don't miss it. In lots of different ways. So let me just give you a couple, okay? Let's see, I don't I have slides or not, Cassie. I don't think so. So I'm going to tell you, I, I just started pulling some. There's a lot. There's 1,298. Actually, can you give me a slide, behold, again, just one time? This is on there as I'm reading. So don't miss it. Genesis 1:29. And God said, behold, don't miss it. I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, every tree with seed and its fruit. You, have, you will have them all for food. Don't miss it. I'm providing food for you. Ecclesiastes 5.18. Behold, that which I have seen, that is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. What did we say in the Ecclesiastes series a year ago? Be present today. Life is fleeting. It's hevel, it's smoke. Pay attention to the good things of the day. So God said, I provide for you. Behold, I I provide for you. Behold, I give you good gifts all the time. Don't miss it. 2 Kings 20 verse 5. Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of the people, he's a king. Thus saith the Lord, the God of thy father David, I have heard your prayer. He was sick. I have heard your prayer and have seen your tears. Behold, don't miss it. I will heal you, says the Lord. I'll be your healer. On the third day from now, you'll go to the temple. Don't miss it. I'm the healer, I'm the provider. I give you good gifts, I'm the healer. Fourth, Matthew 20, 18 through 19. This is Jesus. Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests, the teachers of the law. They'll condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged, and crucified. On the third day, I will rise again from the dead. Behold, I'm your salvation. Don't miss it. I'm the one who saves you. Acts 1, 10 through 11. They, disciples, were looking intently into the sky as Jesus was leaving. Behold, suddenly... Two men dressed in white stood beside them. The Man of Galilee, they said, "Why are you looking at the sky? That Jesus, who's been taken from you into heavens, and to come back in the same way. He's coming back. He is. Why are you standing here looking for him? Get to work. Go." Hmm. In Revelation twenty-one three through four, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying. Behold, don't miss it. God's dwelling place is now among the people. He'll dwell with them, they'll be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear, no more death, mourning, or crying, or pain. The old order has passed away. Behold, don't miss it. God, just from those examples, and there's way more, seems to care about every single part of your life. Not just if you're going to heaven. Because Jesus said, what is eternal life? Knowing him. Heaven has already begun. So why this struck me as I study for today, this beholding idea, is because we're making a case for it, is that, let me read this, for, no, I read it, yeah. Is this is not a chronological book of end times. Don't miss what I'm doing, Jesus is saying, through John. Through these churches, I care about every part of your life. And that, that forever is supposed to come into today. It should change how you live today. It should change how you speak today. It should change how you love someone today. How I work today. It should change every single thing that we do all the time. We have to make the decision after decision after decision. Paul would say those who have the Spirit, what? Keep in step with the Spirit all the There is a decision, but then there's a whole bunch of decisions afterwards. So behold, Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Don't miss it. What's interesting, though, is throughout the book, what is the letter? What does John seem to be poking at? There's options. There's decisions to be made. Faithful, perseverance, trust, or compromise. Do what you want to get ahead to make it in this life. Will you be faithful or will you compromise? And what's so interesting to me is if you look at this, so the whole thing has happened, right? He's seen the whole revelation. This this wild depiction of all these different things. And John has an angel speak to him. Eugene Pearson said this. And what does John do when the angel comes? It says he falls down to worship him. Isn't that interesting? So, John, who has seen all these things, goes to worship an angel? And the angel says, No, 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 get up, get up, get up, get up. We're the same. We're all servants. Did you see what just happened? you see the lamb wins and the lamb wins and the lamb wins? I'm just like you. I'm a powerful angel, but I'm just like you. Eugene Peterson said this. This is, has, I've just had so much fun in this series. This is what he said, the angel said. Get up, get on your feet, worship God and only God. Angels, prophets, and fellow Christians stand on the same level and they kneel together on the same ground, all of us, as worshipers. But he wrote, but we get so interested in everything in this book except God. Losing themselves in symbol hunting, intrigue with numbers, speculating with frenzied imaginations on times and seasons, despite Jesus' severe instructions in Acts 1-7. It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. It's not for you to know. Nothing is more explicit in this book than that it is all about God. It is the revelation of Jesus by Jesus, not of the end of the world, not of the identity of the Antichrist, not of the timetable of history. It is a way of seeing our present reality in a totally different way to help us to live today. He is writing to a couple of little churches in a little place. He's saying, how, this is how you're gonna make it. This is how you're gonna thrive, how you're gonna flourish At the very beginning of Revelation, in verse chapter 1, John says, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. So a wise person wrote me a note and said, the Revelation, they're like bifocals. To see the world, to see what is, to see how to live, to see the future, to see what we do, you have to have the right lenses. And the lenses seem to be those who are in the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? I love the line. I've said it so many times here today. Not today, over the series. The Revelation is a book to quiet the fears of frightened people, to renew the commitment of compromised people, to give them a, sustain them with a vision of the future so they can live for today. And we get lost in all these things when Jesus seems to be saying, throughout Scripture, behold, don't miss it. I'm a part of everything. In the passage, he says, I, "I'm, let's see, I am the root and the offspring of David. I'm the one that he came from, and I'm the one who came from him, beginning, end, alpha, Omega. And I long to break into the present moment with you. But the letters to these little churches, which I think we forget that this was a letter to churches because we get lost in lots of other things. I stand at the door and I knock. I'm not banging. That's what Romans do. It's my loving kindness that leads you towards your I stand at the door and I knock. Throughout all these pages, will you compromise? Will you be faithful? Will you compromise or will you be faithful? So I wrote down some things to behold, perhaps, from the series. So to summarize the Revelation, in my own words, I'm not the smartest. What I would say I have seen these past weeks, Jesus is the king. And then he begins the whole letter by saying, I see you. Remember this in chapter 2 and chapter 3, the churches? I see you, and I am with you by my spirit. I am walking amongst you. I know the nitty-gritty of what's happening in your city, what's happening in your church, what's happening in your life. I know where you would want to compromise. I know where you need to be faithful. These are good things that you're doing. This is where you're missing it. And when you're missing it, I just mean it's just causing tons of pain. Don't. I see you. I am with you. Revelation 4 and 5, then after that letter, he he says to John, come, come up and see. Come up and see how it really is. Look at this realm, look at this worship, look how big and powerful God is. Look what's happening all the time. Perhaps, no, we've been writing on these prayers. Who do you want to be worshiping with in heaven? Just wondered, do you think John saw some people he knew? I'm just asking, I don't know. Did he see some people who went before him worshiping? Would that be encouraging to him? I think oftentimes when we write these prayers about who I long to worship with and I actually can see them in my mind's eye, the way they would worship, the way they might raise one hand, the way they might maybe not be raising hands quite yet. I see them when I think of the worship in heaven. What's happening right now the people that I miss, that I long to see, I see them. I can hear them. My mom's over here. I think my grandma Lundy, I can hear her sing. Someday, mom, I will hear you sing. I know how you sing. I can hear you across the room. I know your voice. So There's a different reality, a different way of seeing. So Jesus is king. He is with you. There's a different reality that you can't even quite see, but let me show you for just a moment now you've seen all of that. Now let's talk about life. We say it's these cycles, these seals and these trumpets with growing intensity, but the same thing happens in every one. The lamb wins. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. All the things you might put our hope in, there's evil, there's cultures, there's rulers, principalities, powers. And if you follow through, let's say like Revelation like 12, through 18 they all lose all these powerful people that this little church in turkeys is, is, is seen they all fail and they did fail right because we're on the other side of history we know what happened they did fail they did do what evil does in let's see it's revelation uh 17 they turn on themselves and they destroy themselves that's what evil does you want to read that, 17, it to be verses like 16 through 18. Evil destroys itself, because evil does not like evil. It's so all these things you could choose, it goes away. There's a future unlike anything you've ever seen. Lastly, we talked about it. It's this garden city. It's the beginning and the end. It's a place that we build. We get to bring who we are and what we do into eternity, isn't that funny? We don't go back to a garden and walk around and sing kumbaya. No, we live in a city, and it is as big as the known world. It's not as long and as wide as the world, but it's, as, it's just as high. It is massive. God's building something. He's bringing his kingdom, which means that what we're doing here, the things we build, the things we love to do, get to come with us, and we get to do those things probably in heaven. I heard my dad say recently, uh, Farmers. He's talking about a farmer who he knows is now in heaven. He wondered if you had to have food, right? Do you think he's, if he loved to farm, do you think he's farming, doing the thing that he loves, providing food for people that he loves in heaven? We love food. We love to eat, right? I would sure not want to have a heaven where there's no food. There's really good meals that I would want to enjoy. So we not sitting and singing. No, it's, it's this garden, it's this combination. It's this incredible future, but our deeds follow. And there's this reality that some people, you find it again here at the end. Those who, let's see, it is gonna be in verse 11, 22, 11. Those who can, who do, who does wrong will continue to do wrong. It's decisions. And then those who are choosing to do what is right. There's two places. There's a place with God for those who want that, and there's a place without him. I've been loving the language my dad's been using. He calls it quarantine. We have a lot of weird imagery on hell. We're not sure what to do with it. It's just a place where there is no God. And God is really good things. So it's a place without all of his good things. So these two places someday, but we're making decisions. Somehow this God who's outside of time works inside of time, which is very confusing, Right? Somehow he is sovereign over all things and somehow I get to make some choices. I'm not sure how all that works together. Smarter people can think about that and talk about that and they all disagree. So somehow we're making decisions all the time. But it just struck me as we've been reading this. This is a missional text. This is about how I live every single day because there's a lot of people, if you, I've said this several times, If you look at the number of people in heaven, knowing there's two realities, it is enormous. It is a multitude that no one can count. Inside of a city that is bigger than anything we've ever seen. This is really good news. I I cannot get over. I'm just summarizing. Things that have stood out to me. Revelation 11. People witness. There's these witnesses. And they witness to who God is. They die. They come back to life. They go with God, to be in heaven. And there's this huge earthquake. Huge earthquake shakes the earth. And it says, at that hour, a severe earthquake. A tenth of the city is collapses. A tenth of the city is destroyed in this gigantic earthquake. I said this before here. If one tenth is destroyed, how much is not? Nine tenths. That's quite a, that's quite a difference, right? Heaven and hell, yes. Maybe I'm optimistic. I can tend to be a glasses half full kind of guy. I think there's way more people in heaven than I think. And that is wonderful news. Because they see the earthquake, they see the destruction, and they are terrified and they give glory to God. Wow. This is some really good news, this revelation. It's not the scary ending. It's this ending that's supposed to bring us life into the present. It pours energy and expectation and it feeds into our prayer life, the way we live, because, oh man, look how good the ending's gonna be. I don't know in this ending who is in my present who needs me to meet partner with God to get them to the ending. So that would make me a very missional person. Every single moment of every single day, I'd be looking for opportunities to be kind. I'd be looking for opportunities to be patient. I'd be looking for opportunities to share truth in love. One of my favorite lines, it's an old one, my dad said a long time ago, he said, if I get it right, truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. So love, a truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. Somehow, as people of God, we will find a way with him, keep in the spirit, to f- hold the tension between the two imperfectly. That's some doggone good news. Well, he'll let us know what to do right when we need to know it. We don't have to compromise on what we believe. He's going to show us this is, this, is how, this is how we'll speak in that moment. This is how we'll help that person. Because we believe the future is so good, and we don't know who here is going to get there which would change how I post. It would change how I talk. It would change how I work. It would just change everything in this moment. So the ending breaks into the present. We got a little time yet. So this is what I'm going to ask some questions, I think. I'm going to ask some questions. So as you think about, and I'm going to invite just you to have discussion around you. Can you give me, uh, let's see, let's go to slide four first. So as you think about what we have done, what we have learned, I want you to think about what is the fruit, what's the result of the way I read the ending. So back to the beginning, we're all about beholding. Don't miss it. We're not talking about a decision. We're talking about lots of decisions. How you... How how does how you read this change? What is the result of it? So if only a small number of people get to heaven and the world's going to pop and everything's terrible, can I say that? I don't mean to be uh, unkind. If that's what I believe, how would I live today? But if I think the future is so good, how would I live today? Can you me the next one? God's ultimate reality is one of healing the nations, right? People from every tribe and tongue, every place, are all coming to this place to be with God. Does how I interpret this, how I'm reading this, how I'm understanding, how I'm trying to live it out, is that, does my interpretation fall in line with that reality? That people from every nation every tribe, every tongue are all going to be together forever? So I've read some wild things about some way we view people based on this. It doesn't seem to me to be in line with that. Slide six. is my, how I have now understand this revelation, is it in line with the Lord's prayer that we pray every week? Or is it more in alignment with an evacuation plan? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. Some, somebody wrote that the revelation is a rapture in reverse. The heavens come to the not we go away to be with him. And Jesus tells lots of parables about that. I mentioned him last week. You know? If you want to look at Matthew, it's like 13. So this ought to make us, I think, this, I think this series might just set us off on like a new, wild, really fun trajectory as a people, as a town, as a region. If this, if, if this is who we are, my opinion, if this is how we understand who our God is, I'm so excited to be a part of that community of people. But I'll be honest, if I, I'll just leave it there. couple final questions for you. So I asked last week, just for some help here, um, what does this look like in my life? Like, uh, the person who wrote is beautiful, works in a difficult field. You see lots of hard things. And I, you're hearing us say, the kingdom's coming to earth. Like, the kingdom's coming to earth. All these good things are coming to earth, but a lot of the reality is like, I just... I see a lot of really difficult, painful, hard things every single day. I think my father-in-law, who's a police officer, he's just like every, just man, just stuff. Every call, brokenness and pain, lie, all this. I just listened to him talking, like to, to live in the tension of knowing the kingdom is coming while having to love and serve and protect people. Wow, that is such a hard tension to live in. So what does it look like? For the kingdom to come with me every day, so I thought they were great questions, because I think they address our humanity. That's why I love with Addy and what we're learning in Believer Baptist. We're learning to see our, understand our own stories, how God's breaking into our story. We're learning how to share our story, because for some reason, a guy in the other room says it all the time. We're probably the only Bible anybody ever reads. What are they reading? What's the story I'm telling? Can I even tell the good stories? So a couple questions for you to think about. And I'm going to give you a minute to slowly work through them. And I'm going to invite the band up. It's slide number 10, Cassie. Just simple. Just in your own mind. Just read and just respond. My name is... I'm Clayton. I'm human because, I mean, just do an exam of your last 24 hours. Do you see any humanity? I'm human because I'm super proud. I'm human because I lost my temper multiple times yesterday on people that I love. Spoken ways I shouldn't have spoken. But, because I'm in Christ, he brought to my attention, sometimes through the people I was mean to, today. My name is written in the book of life because I believe in and love Jesus and... If I can ask, close your eyes for a minute. Can you think of a time recently where you felt the love of Jesus? Maybe he expressed it to you or maybe someone did it on his behalf. Next question, but life on earth today is hard. Life on earth today is hard because. Final question, prompt. One day, I, we will walk the streets of gold and keep your eyes closed for a minute. Spirit, would you, maybe, would you maybe share with us something we might do with you someday on the streets of gold? Thank you. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe that was boring. Maybe it was good. I don't know. But this is what I want to ask of you. Uh, as we stand to worship, we're going to keep worshiping. There's lots of things you can do around the room. Can you give me this, yeah, the slide? So these are all things you could be doing. Because the music's not going to end, just so you know, you're aware. Um, but you have to get your kids at 10.30 if you have kids downstairs. So you've got to get yourself out. Pay attention to the clock. But you can interact with the room in any way you want. We're just gonna keep worshiping, but this is what I, I want to ask. I because I, I think I said earlier I, I forget I forget chapter two and three. These are things said shared with some churches. And scholars think these churches combined were probably five hundred to thousand people total. So this would be kind of one of the bigger churches, in the churches. And I'm struck by the ending. The last, because they all read the same letter. They didn't just read theirs. They would read about their neighbors as well. And the final one, how it's ordered, orders is significant, talks about how Jesus is at the door. Asking to come in. Waiting to come in. So I'm going to ask, if you're willing to, to get us up and moving. When you, if you feel prompted, just go push open the door. And then come back in the room. Just as a way of saying, yeah, I'm in, I'm open. Come on in. Sound good? Maybe.